The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Hey everybody, this is Bill. Thanks for tuning in to MMA on the Rocks, episode number 15, if you're keeping count. And this has been a huge weekend for mixed martial arts. It's uh, Sunday, September 25th. So we're coming off the day after UFC Fight Night 95 in Brazil. Very exciting card. Lots to talk about there. Uh, there was also a rising... Fighting Federation card in the middle of the night last night for those of you hardcore fans who wanted to reminisce about the Pride days and stayed up all night to watch that event. We'll get into that a little bit too. There was also a couple of title defenses in Invicta Fighting Championship um, in the uh, Invicta FC 19 on Friday night. So I'll get into that a little bit too. And also in honor of the Ryzen event this weekend. I'm drinking a little bit of sweet potato shoju, uh, so I'll talk a little bit about what that is a little later as well. In any case, let's start off with UFC Fight Night 95, which was broadcast from Brasilia, Brazil, and it was headlined by Christiane Justino, or as pretty much everyone in the world knows her as, Cyborg Santos. And uh, she was facing off against Lena Landsberg. Uh, this fight was at 140 pounds. So it's considered a catch weight still since the UFC does not officially have a 145 pound weight class for females, uh, which is Cyborg's typical weight class. And uh, she has just been so dominant. I mean, this is the first. This fight last night was the first time she had been out of the first round since 2010. So credit to Lena Landsberg. I mean, she took a, a beating. It looked like she may have had a broken orbital bone, or at the very least, some very severe swelling in her eye after this fight last night. So um, Cyborg getting a knockout, not a surprise. I think the only thing that was surprising was that she didn't get the knockout in the first round. Uh, like I said, she hadn't been to the second round since 2010. And this is a fighter that the UFC, I guess, doesn't really know what to do with at this point because she's just been so dominant. She's fighting in Invicta at 145 pounds, but Invicta is really too small of a stage for such a ferocious fighter as Cyborg. Um, but they can't really justify making a 145-pound weight class for her because it would just be the Cyborg show. She would be the champion, and there's nobody who could even compete with her. I mean, everybody they put in there with her just gets destroyed. It's like feeding them to the lions. So what do you do with Cyborg? I don't know what the answer is, but I know that people will continue to keep to uh, tune in. I know they really wanted her to try and get down to 135 pounds, uh, when Ronda Rousey was on top of that division, they, they really wanted a super fight between those two. But there's just no way. She's just too big. Her frame is just too massive. She struggles severely to even get 
to 140 pounds. I, I mean, she walks around over 170 pounds. This is a huge cut for her. So 145 pounds is where she belongs. But as far as what her platform will be, that's yet to be determined. That's up for the UFC to decide. Um, obviously, women's MMA is getting more and more popular. We're starting to see more stars emerge. So hopefully, they'll be adding a couple more weight classes. Personally, I would like to see the 125-pound uh, the division added to the UFC. I've talked about this a couple of times over the last few weeks especially. I think that would be a really exciting division just because, you, for those of you who don't know, there are only two weight classes for the women in the UFC as of right now. There's the straw weights, which is 115 pounds, and there's the bantam weights, which is 135 pounds. So that's a 20-pound difference. So if you're not doing well in one weight class, you can't really jump down. I mean, Jessica Andrade did it recently. She, um, you know, she felt a little small for 135. She dropped down to 115. Um, but she's the exception, not the rule. I don't think that's easy for anybody to do, to drop down 20 pounds to a lower weight class. Um, but speaking of changing weight classes because you're having a hard time, uh, the co-main event was Henna Burrell, uh, former 135-pound champion, against Philippe Nover. Now, this is a pretty competitive fight, but a lot of people are saying that, you know, Henan Burrell is just not the same fighter. I mean, here's a guy who was on a 30-fight win streak, came over from the WEC when they were acquired by Zufa. He was undefeated there and was very dominant as the champion in the UFC until he got knocked out by TJ Dillashaw very brutally. Um, twice. So, you know, a lot of people say that he hasn't fully bounced back from that. He made the move up to featherweight, which I think is a good move for him because he still looks fairly big. It's not like it's not like he's a shrimp in that division. You know, he's he can definitely hang with those guys and uh I got to say his performance against Philippe Nover, I I mean, he won the fight. It was an unanimous decision. I I do believe that Nover won the first round, um, but just again, not not the same Hennebrau we're used to seeing. And they're giving they're giving him Philippe Nover, who's who's coming off a loss. He's he's a legit fighter, but um, actually Henzo Gracie fighter. Uh, so it was gonna be it was gonna be competitive because Brow's known for his submissions. Obviously, Nover coming out of uh, Henzo Gracie. Uh, lineage he's obviously got some submission skills um, and I was actually speaking with my buddy World News MMA on Twitter this afternoon who said that this guy is just not the same he's met his he's met his demise you know 30 30 wins in a row and you know now he's kind of struggling his first fight up to uh, featherweight was a loss to Jeremy Stevens which you know, that's a tough fight for for moving up in weight and you're fighting Jeremy Stevens. Um, you know, that's a bit, that's that's not easy for anybody. Jeremy Stevens is an animal. And Jeremy Stevens actually fighting Frankie Edgar coming up at UFC 205, Madison Square Garden. I think that's going to be a phenomenal fight. And there's actually talks of that being on the undercard, uh, which I know this is going to be a huge card, but if you're putting Jeremy Stevens versus Frankie Edgar on the prelims, I think that's a big mistake, but 
that, that's something we'll talk about as we get closer to that event and that that card is actually fleshed out a little bit more. In any case, um, I'm not going to talk about every fight on this card, uh, although it was very exciting. There's there's just so much to talk about from this weekend, and um, I don't want to go too long here either. So the fight before uh, Brown Nover was uh, Roy Nelson against his buddy Antonio Silva. Now Antonio Bigfoot Silva has had a questionable chin as of late, and uh, Roy Nelson, uh, I mean, he hasn't been looking so hot lately either. I mean, he he's coming off a highly contested loss to Derek Lewis, which, you know, everybody thought that Roy Nelson won that fight. I believe he won that fight. He controlled it on the ground. He had like nine takedowns or something ridiculous like that. But highlight reel knockout for Nelson. Uh, you got to be concerned for Bigfoot Silva at this point. I mean, it, if you're someone who who takes the health of these fighters as as a priority, then you have to be concerned for this guy. I mean, he's he's seen a lot of brutal knockouts over the last couple of years. And uh, Roy Nelson actually thought that this was a late stoppage, and he had to give a few unnecessary blows, including a blow to referee Big John McCarthy. So Nelson was very emotional after this fight because he's friends with Silva. He knocked him out fairly cleanly, dropped him, you know, with a huge, I guess you would call it an uppercut, like a swinging uppercut. So his his arm was like three-quarters extended, and he just kind of swung it up like he's throwing a bowling ball into Silva's face. And he put him out pretty clean, and he had to drop a couple of bombs on him while he was on the ground. McCarthy didn't step in soon enough for Nelson's taste. So while McCarthy was on the ground checking to see if Silva was okay, Nelson came up behind him, kicked him in the ass, and then uh, walked away, and he was giving him the finger, and very displeased with the stoppage. It was kind of confusing, especially because I was watching without any sound. I was out at a bar last night watching these fights, and uh, it, it was hard to tell what was going on uh, without without any commentary. Uh, but I, I wound up reading later that he was unhappy with the stoppage. He thought it came too late. Which is surprising because, you know, Big John McCarthy is often called the, the best in the business. He, you know, he's right up there with, with Herb Dean as, as one of the referees that's talked about as, as doing the best job in there as the third man. But Nelson really unhappy with that stoppage and, and having to, uh, you know, hit his friend in the face more times than necessary. And uh, I, I don't know what's going to come of this. I don't know what kind of repercussions there should be. I mean, we're seeing a lot of stupid shit lately. And I really feel like the UFC needs to take more of a stance on this stuff. I, I mean, it's harmless. It's silly stuff. But, I, I mean, a couple of weeks ago we saw Fabrizio Verdum, you know, kick a, kick a coach in the stomach. Now we're seeing Roy Nelson kick a referee. And, you know, it's not like he kicked him hard. He just kind of, like, tapped him in the ass like, hey, what the fuck are you doing? But I don't think that should be an excuse. I think they need to come down hard on Roy Nelson for this. Uh, I understand he was upset. And, you know, it may have been a, a bad stoppage. I, I don't really know. I didn't think so at the time. I wasn't really thinking about it until after the fact when all this was going on. But, uh, I mean, you shouldn't, be, you shouldn't be hitting a referee, even if it's playful or anything like that. I, I mean, we just got this sport sanctioned in New York State after fighting for so long. And, you know, I can, 
I, I'm as lighthearted as the next guy, but there are some things that should be taken seriously. I mean, you want to be taken seriously as a sport, as a professional athlete, then you need to act like a professional. You can't be kicking coaches and kicking referees and doing all this stupid shit. And I understand, uh, you know, things are emotional. I mean, there was even last week, Michael Johnson, after knocking out Dustin Poirier, you know, acting very unprofessional and getting in Poirier's face. I mean, the guy's unconscious and you're still, you know, yelling fuck you's in his face. And he did go back and apologize and him and Poirier are okay. But, you know, there's there's got to be something enforced as far as having a sense of control after the fight is over. And and some of these things need to be fine-tuned and tweaked a little bit and made official policy. Um, you know, they also need to stop interviewing guys that have been knocked unconscious. I understand you want to get the sound bite and everything like that, and you want to cause a drama, and you want them to call somebody out after they've had a concussion, but, you know, l- leave these guys alone. You know, they're, they're, going, they're going through war in there. you got to be a little bit lenient. So uh, something needs to crack down with this post-fight nonsense because it's getting a little bit ridiculous can't be kicking coaches kicking referees and and things like that another thing that was ridiculous was paul felder's face after his fight with francisco trinaldo um this was one of the worst cuts uh ever that i that i've seen i mean there are there are a couple of others that come to mind but paul felder's face was just opened up right over his eye and i mean you could see all kinds of connective tissue and uh, i don't know i failed biology but whatever whatever's in there uh, underneath your skin right above your eyebrow brain matter i i don't really know but it was it was pretty gruesome it was something right out of a horror movie and uh it it was a pretty deep gash I, i was i was saying uh you know I'm not saying it was a deep cut, but John Jones already got it pregnant and almost ran it over. <laughs> so, um, you know, nobody likes to see a doctor stoppage, especially to such a tough guy like Paul Felder. I mean, we know this guy is so, you know, tough as nails. And to see it get stopped, you know, not because he can't continue, but because, you know, a doctor says there's too much blood in your eye um, is something you don't like to see. But in this case, I think it was definitely justified. I, I mean, he was bleeding so much. It was getting right in his eyes. And he looked disoriented and like he couldn't see. Other than that, this is a big win for Trinaldo. I mean, here's a guy, you know, 38 years old, gets a big win in his home country of Brazil. So awesome for him. Not an awesome night for Paul Felder. Um, that's definitely going to cause some problems down the line. You're definitely going to see some scar tissue coming out of that. But Felder's young. I think he's 31 or 32, and he's just so fucking tough. So we're going to see some more of him, and um, hopefully we won't see more gashes opening up on his face. Uh, Before that was a submission of Tiago Santos by Eric Spicely, and this was a huge upset. I think Santos was the second biggest favorite on this card. Um... He was projected to dominate this fight. Spicely, not a very well-known fighter, but you know he was able to tap Tiago Santos out in the first round with a weird naked choke. So, you know, great for that guy. Good for him. And in the fight before that was a rear naked choke in the first round as well. Godfredo Castro over Mike uh, De La Torre. This was a pretty. <laughs> this was a pretty fun fight. I mean, Castro had De La Torre rocked a couple of times. And then he kind of dragged it to the ground, which slowed it down and gave De La Torre some time to recover, but not enough time because the second time he dragged him to the ground, 
uh, he choked his ass out. So that was an exciting fight. Uh, I'm going to jump around a little bit. Uh, Ronnie Yaya had a win, unanimous decision. Uh, Ronnie Yaya is one of these guys, you know, people who were fans of WEC remember him uh, as a submission specialist. You know, very, very high-level, top-shelf jiu-jitsu by Ronnie Yaya. And here's a guy who keeps winning fights, but he's still on the undercard because he can't talk his way up to the main card. And uh, that's been a problem for him. He's one of these guys who, who can't really promote himself. So, you know, I'm not going to promote him either. But uh, a <laughs> great fighter, uh, great jiu-jitsu. Uh, I always look forward to seeing him fight. But, y- you know, he's, he's got to learn to do a little bit of legwork as well. Uh, uh, another rear naked joke on this fight was Eric Silva over uh, Luan Chagas. Now, in my opinion, this was a come-from-behind win because Chagas was winning this fight. Uh, I thought he was kind of dominating Silva, and Silva is kind of his back against the wall. He's got a couple of losses in a row. Uh, but, you know, right at the end of the third round, in dramatic fashion, he was able to uh, choke Chagas out. So great for Silva. He'll be back probably on another undercard. Uh, but, you know, he gets another breath of life here in the UFC. Um, and another fight. Uh, you know, highly touted prospect Stevie Ray, Scottish dude, uh, taking on Alan Patrick or Alan Patrick, if you read in English like I do. But in any case, Alan Patrick uh, trains with uh, Jacare Souza. Now, I was not very impressed with uh, Patrick's jiu-jitsu, considering that he trains with Jacare, who is, you know, arguably the best jiu-jitsu practitioner in MMA. You know, you, D- Damian Maya is in the conversation, obviously, as well. But Jacare, just, you know, such tight jiu-jitsu, very aggressive style. Um, a lot of Patrick, you know, hesitating to pass guard and not really going for big submissions. On the other hand, Stevie Ray, who is, uh, like I said, a Scottish fighter known for a stand-up, um, since the fight was going to the ground a lot, he was going for a lot of high-risk submissions. He was going for arm bars and things like this, things that if you don't hit them, you, you know, you risk losing position. And that's the kind of aggressive jujitsu I really enjoy watching. Um, I don't like this, you know, lay on top and control and slowly move and then go for, you know, your basic bitch submissions, so to speak, which is what uh, Patrick was doing. And, you know, whatever. I mean, both of these guys will be back. I think, you know, Pat Patrick uh, getting the victory, he'll definitely be back. And Stevie Ray's an exciting fighter. He's got some, some exciting knockouts, and, and he showed he has a ground game. Um, you know, if Patrick is a black belt training with Jacare, and he was able to, Stevie Ray was able to not get submitted in this fight and, and go the distance, then I think that speaks a lot to his ground game, considering that he is considered a striker. And speaking of strikers, Vicente Luque, um, black zillion fighter, in the second fight on the card, uh, knocked out Hector Urbina cold. And this was just a nasty knockout where Urbina's legs just collapsed underneath him like a cheap card table. And he was just out. A very devastating knockout by Vicente. And uh, it's the kind of thing where you hope this guy is okay. I mean, a couple of other knockouts, 
of this caliber come to mind, like when Gabriel Gonzaga knocked out Mirko Krokop, who I'm going to talk about in a little bit, uh, and his leg collapsed underneath him and he had severe knee damage. Uh, Rashad Evans getting knocked out by Leota Machida. Uh, I mean, this guy just got the fucking soul knocked out of him. And it was very devastating, very scary to watch, but also very exciting because this is fighting and that shit happens. So there's that. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's get into a little bit. So Invicta, for those of you who don't know what Invicta is, this is an all-women's uh, fighting championship organization. It is owned by the same company who owns UFC. So when they have an event, it is available on UFC Fight Pass, which I do highly recommend getting if you're a fight fan. If you're not a fight fan, you know, fuck it, stick to Netflix. But it costs like eight, nine bucks a month, and you know, which is about the same Netflix goes for. I watch Fight Pass way more than I use my Netflix subscription. So definitely worth it. I mean, even if you're not into the women's MMA or MMA at all, there's a lot, there's tons of stuff in there. There's kickboxing, there's uh, jiu-jitsu tournaments, there's reality shows. They got all kinds of shit on there. Um, some original content, and they're really building that platform up a lot. I'm a big advocate of Fight Pass, and um, definitely think it's worth checking out. I think they give you like a 30-day free trial, too, so you get in there and see what kind of cool shit they have on there. And uh, speaking of cool shit, you know, Invicta FC 19 happened on Friday, which, you know, was an exciting card. There was a lot of submissions, um, a knockout or two or three, uh, if you count the... Uh, the doctor stoppage in the co-main event. Um, Invicta is a cool organization. I definitely like that. You know, there's a top of the line organization for women's MMA that really, you know, highlights these talented female fighters. And they have a couple of extra weight classes that the UFC doesn't have. They have an atom weight. They have a flyweight. Um, both of those titles were on the line. On Friday, so that's 105 pounds and 125 pounds, respectively. In any case, um, I don't know what it is about Invicta, but there's something about the production value that just makes it seem kind of slow. Um, you know, some of the some of the fighters are not very animated. You know, they don't give the greatest promos. It, you know, don't get me wrong; very talented fighters, and at the end of the day, that's all that matters. But you know, it is still sports entertainment, and you do have to have some production value. Um, and, and they're getting there. I feel like they've come a long way, and, and I'm definitely supportive of, of them continuing. But, you know, the production value needs to improve, in my opinion. The commentary can get a little bit dry at times. And, you know, like I said, the fighters are, are not all that great at, at promoting big fights. And, and therefore, you don't have a lot of standout stars. But you do have some very talented fighters. I'm not going to talk too much about this card. But the co-main event, uh, Ayaka Hamasaki, who is the atom weight or 105-pound champion, was defending against um, Jin Frey. And <clears throat> this was actually a very competitive fight. Um, they were going back and forth. And Frey got cut next to her eye in the second round. And the doctor came in. So this is a little bit of a controversial stoppage because Ayako was kind of dropping some bombs. Euphrey got cut next to her eye. It didn't look like blood was getting in her eye. Referee made the call to stop it because 
it, it was a pretty big gash. Not as big as, you know, the fucking goat vagina on Paul Felder's head last night. But uh, still pretty bad. But it was next to her eye, not above her eye. And uh, the doctor decided to stop it there. Now, I can't really disagree with any of the decisions that happened. I mean, the referee saw this huge cut, and he decided to let the doctor take a look at it. And the doctor said, you know, I can't take it on my hands to let this fighter continue with this giant cut on their head because, you know, one more blow to it could open it up more and then who knows i don't know her brain starts leaking out all over the place i don't know what happens at that point like i said i failed biology i I don't know anything about this shit in any case it was probably unsafe for her to continue on the other hand i could see how you know people would be upset no nobody wants to see a fight stopped by a doctor okay you want to see a fight stopped by a fighter um or or by a referee who is is making a smart decision for, for the fighter's safety, um, you don't want to see it stopped by a cut because obviously we know, the, I mean, these are fucking cage fighters. They're, they're tough as shit, all right? They're, they're not in there, you know, b- because they're pussies. They're not getting locked in a cage to, to fight hand-to-hand combat with another human being because they're pussies. They're obviously very tough. A little bit of blood is not going to bother them. Um, and... Uh, you know, Hamasaki was in the middle of dropping some big bombs on Euphre, and you know she may have she may have knocked her out at that point, or she may not. You know, who knows what could happen? Anything could happen in this sport. But you know, a lot of people were upset at this stoppage. But you know, what the fuck are you gonna do? They'll, they'll probably fight again. Uh, I mean, it's not an incredibly stacked division. There's not a lot of women making 105 pounds, so you know. They'll, they'll probably do it again. Uh, the main event, Jennifer Maya versus uh, Roxanne Madaffrey. This was this was a very exciting, uh, very competitive fight. I mean, some people seem to think that um, Madaffrey should have gotten the nod. I think she's definitely the more popular fighter. And I've talked about this before. Now, when you want somebody to win, you can almost convince yourself that they're doing things in a fight. Um to to kind of get that win and she did get a split decision so one judge did think that she won um in my mind uh jennifer maya won at least three rounds of this fight decisively uh i don't have you know i'm not partial to either of these fighters so i was watching it very objectively i thought um and i was actually surprised to see people saying that they thought madafari won um but it was definitely close it was definitely competitive but i think you know, Maya was the clear victor in that one. Um, and, and, you know, Invicta's getting there. They really are. So th- they need to build up their fighter stable a little bit more. I mean, it's kind of tough when, you know, obviously everybody's trying to get into the UFC. So when when girls are doing well there, you know, they get the call as long as they're, you know, straw weights or bantam weights or, or willing to move one way or the other. And uh, I think it'll happen a little bit more. More so when the UFC adds more weight classes, I think we'll get, you know, kind of a WEC scenario here. Uh, for those who didn't watch the WEC, it was kind of like, you know, it was the same as UFC, but they had only lighter weight classes. And eventually they were absorbed by the UFC and the UFC added those weight classes and those championships. Um, and that's why we have champions like Mighty Mouse Johnson now, like Dominic Cruz. Uh, and things like that because we were able to add those weight classes. Conor McGregor, yeah. heard of him? 
in any case, Conor McGregor, uh, apparently some drama about him fighting in New York and, and who he's going to fight next. Dana White wants him to fight Jose Aldo. McGregor doesn't want to fight Jose Aldo because he doesn't feel like he's going to make the money he deserves fighting that guy, um, which I kind of tend to agree with. Um, I, I know a lot of the hardcore fans, and especially people who hate McGregor, want to see Jose Aldo you know, get his revenge on Conor, which you know, technically he deserves. He's the interim champion. Uh, Conor hasn't you know, fought in that weight class in over 10 months now. Uh, so he should either defend the belt or, or be forced to vacate. That That's a great point. But as far as Conor McGregor is concerned, we all know that Conor, his main concern is, um, you know, making money. And to make money, you have to get the casual fans invested, you know. And the casual fans are tuning in to see fighters that they know. They're tuning in to see Ronda Rousey. They're tuning in to see Conor McGregor. They're tuning in to see people that appear on on Jimmy Fallon and wherever the fuck else, you know, late night TV. You know, they're not tuning in to see Jose Aldo. They don't care that he was one of the most dominant fighters in the history of sport and probably top 10 pound for pound of all time. The casual fan does not care about that. And if you want big paychecks... You have to get that casual fan invested. You have to get them shelling out money for a pay-per-view. And to do that, you need someone like a Nate Diaz who can help promote a fight. I mean, you know, we saw Conor uh, go on this world tour with Jose Aldo before their first fight, and it was the Conor McGregor show because, you know, Jose is not able to promote a fight in the way that Conor is able to promote a fight. So you're not really going to convince Conor that it's the fight for him when, you know, it, it's not going to make him money. It, I mean, it's just, it's just not, unfortunately. So, anyway. I want to talk a little bit about what I'm sipping on tonight, and I have a very specific reason for telling you about it. Uh, I'm actually drinking some sweet potato shoju, which is a spirit or liquor that comes from Japan. I actually bought this in Japan while I was there last year and uh, it's it's a liquor I would equate it to kind of a stronger sake so if you've had sake it's kind of like that now I always like my sake like I like my wine uh, since sake is a, a rice wine I like it on the drier side but you know there are you know fruitier uh, sakes you know it depends on how the sugar is broken down uh, but shoju is actually the Japanese word for young girl, uh, because apparently in Japanese mythology there's a, a young girl character who is red in the face, and she represents drinking and things like that. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm not too well versed on Japanese mythology, but uh, here's my attempt to, to sound educated. In any case, like I've talked about several times before, you can make alcohol from pretty much anything that you can break down uh, the sugars in. So, uh, whereas sake is usually made from rice, uh, shoju is usually made from, you know, barley, buckwheat, brown sugar. Um, and, and in this case, the one I'm drinking, and I'll, I'll put a picture up online so you can, so you can see this bottle. It's actually pretty cool. Um, this one's made from sweet potatoes, so it's a little bit on the sweet side, but you know it's still 
it's still a strong liquor. So it's it's a, it's stronger than sake, so stronger than wine, not as strong as whiskey. So kind of in between. I'm having this on the rocks, of course, um, in case you forgot what show you're listening to right now, MMA on the rocks. Um, <clears throat> but you can drink this neat. You can, you know, heat it up. Uh, if you ever partied with Koreans, they love to drop this stuff into like a Coors Light and they take like a shoju bomb. Uh, so fun stuff. Um, yeah, so I, I bought this in Japan. Um I'm on my way back home because I had um, I had sampled some of it, you know, while I was while I was there, and naturally decided to bring some home with me. So I'm sipping on some of that now. And the reason I say that is because while I was in Japan, uh, I had the opportunity to go to a UFC event. It was actually the one that was headlined by Josh Barnett and Roy Nelson, and it was at the Saitama Super Arena. Now. Those of you who were fans of Pride Fighting Championship obviously remember the Saitama Super Arena as a place of many, many classic uh, Pride events, <coughs> um, which you know a lot of the hardcore fans still talk about to this day. I mean, some of the fights that that went on were were just legendary. So this is all connected because. Last night, in the middle of the night here, which was, you know, primetime in Japan, there was um, Ryzen, which is spelled R-I-Z-I-N. So this is very similar to Pride Fighting Championships, and this was their um, their second Grand Prix event, and it, it had a lot of similarities to Pride. So th- those of you who don't know or don't remember what Pride was, Pride was a fighting organization that was also acquired by Zufa, um, in the late 2000s and it was it's fought in a ring instead of a cage which some people you know think is better some people think it's worse you know for different reasons uh, and the rules were very different you they, they didn't allow elbows because they didn't like fights being stopped uh, by cuts you know which has been an issue obviously this weekend uh, I, I think uh, Paul Felder might agree even though he wasn't cut with an elbow in any case um, the the Japanese didn't like fights being stopped by cuts so they didn't allow elbows however you could kick an opponent in the head or soccer kick them or stomp them in the face while they're down on the ground which obviously is illegal in the UFC so a lot of people find this um, structure very exciting and you know, I can't disagree with them. So last night, Ryzen uh, Grand Prix 2016 opening round, Ryzen 2, uh, they also called it. And uh, it was basically like a Pride Fighting Championships uh, high school reunion. Uh, so for those of you who remember Pride, you remember, you know, it's very flashy. They got the big stage. It's very pro wrestling-esque. And, and over in Japan, they love a spectacle they love you know freak show fights which is why everybody was encouraged to take steroids and cocaine and whatever you know whatever they could take to to put on an amazing show i I mean we won't get into the details of what these guys used to do but um you know if anybody saw the way you know vanderlei silva for example used to fight back in pride i mean he was obviously not operating on you know pure human chemicals he had <laughs> a little bit of help there um in any case rising to uh 
I, I have mixed feelings. You know, I am a big fan of Pride. Um, but, the, you know, the, the freak show aspect, you know, having 400-pound fighters and, and things like this, you know, just for the spectacle of it, um, I have kind of mixed feelings about it. But in any case, there, there were some exciting moments in this. And, and um, one of the most talked about moments was actually uh, Mirko Krokop <laughs> having a fight against uh, Hyun Man Myung, some, you know, Korean fighter, stand-up guy. Obviously, they put him in there because they expected him to stand up with Krokop. Krokop actually took the guy down and choked him out with an arm triangle. I mean, I, I don't know who, who would have expected that to happen. You know, you put Mirko Krokop, one of the most devastating strikers of all time, in a ring with a guy who's pretty much guaranteed to stand and strike with him. You, you expect you know, Krokop to try and kick his head off, but, you know, that wasn't the case. I mean, he's 42 years old now, so maybe he wants to play yeah, play it safe and, you know, took the fight to the ground. I guess he's been working some jiu-jitsu. Uh, he, he looked okay in there. I mean, he looks he looks healthy. He looks um, a lot bigger than he looked in the UFC, and I'll leave it at that. And speaking of UFC, former UFC fighter uh, Darren Cruikshank, who was released earlier this year, had a submission victory over a uh, Andy Sauer, who is known as a kickboxer, his K1 kickboxer, um, clearly not much of a ground game. This fight was very reminiscent of Mickey Gall versus CM Punk, where Crookshank was able to. I mean, it took a little longer, but he took him down and was able to handily choke him out. And then uh, another exciting thing was a seven-second knockout by Charles Crazy Horse Bennett. Now. Uh, Charles Bennett is is quite quite a character. I, I would recommend if if you don't listen to anything else I say, Google Charles Crazy Horse Bennett and you'll see some crazy shit. I mean, here's a guy who is always exciting. I mean, he was either gonna knock somebody out, get submitted, or, or get knocked out. He's just that kind of fighter, and that's why he has a. 30 and 30 record because this guy is just reckless he would go in there swinging not afraid of anybody and you know he just looks like a maniac so he knocks out his opponent who you know i mean this guy minoru kimura brazilian fighter he's 0-1 as a professional um I, I think he had one fight before this so this is his first fight fighting against a very seasoned fighter so bennett you know, he's like screaming at the camera while they're squaring off. And then he comes running out, punches the guy in the face, <laughs> knocks him down, lands a few more blows, and then does a backflip off the top of the rope. So, I mean, this is what they love to see in Japan. And uh, you can watch the whole fight literally in a, in a Twitter gif. And, you know, Bennett's an exciting guy. And then very reminiscent of the Pride days, he gets into a, an altercation with Vanderlei Silva backstage. Now... For those of you who don't know the history between these two, um, Crazy Horse has always had kind of bad blood with Vanderlei Silva's camp, and he was actually choked unconscious <laughs> via triangle choke by one of uh, one of the guys on Vanderlei Silva's team uh, back in 2005, I think. And um, they, you can see videos of this on YouTube and stuff. They get into an altercation and. You know, Bennett tries to tackle the guy. He gets put in a triangle, and the guy chokes him unconscious. Um, now, Bennett's side of the story is that right before this happened, 
he knocked Vanderlei Silva out unconscious backstage. Now, you know, there are a lot of things that are believable about this story, and then there are a lot of things that are like, okay, bro, cool story. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it is very believable that, you know, Vanderlei Silva got in an altercation backstage. It's very believable that, you know, Charles Bennett got in an altercation backstage. And it's entirely possible that Vanderlei got knocked out, but uh, who really knows the truth? Uh, all we know is, is what we can see as evident on camera. And in any case, this, uh, this event last night, or, you know, this morning, really, um, was the first round of an open weight tournament. And in the next round, I guess they're, they're not really following the bracket, and they're just going to have um, Mirko Krokop fight Vanderlei Silva for the third time uh, in December. And, you know, it's nostalgic. Uh, I'm sure a lot of hardcore fans are, are going to be really excited for this fight. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I'm a little excited to watch it myself. Um, you know, I was, a, I was a big fan of Pride. I've got a ton of Pride DVDs and, and things like that. And it's always fun to go back and, and, and watch the circus that was Pride Fighting Championships. Um, in any case, at a Japanese circus, they probably serve lots of shoju. So I'm going to think about that fact while I sip on this here. Uh, if you want to reach out, you want to tell me I'm wrong about anything or disagree with me or you want to tell me you know, what you think about the show, give me any kind of feedback, I'm totally open to it. You can find me on social media, at MMA on the Rocks, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, MMAontherocks.com. I just started doing the uh, Instagram stories, which I guess is like Instagram's version of Snapchat. So I do a little behind-the-scenes stuff with that. You know, let, let me know what you think. I'm interested in hearing your opinions. Um, if you're listening to this on the website or anywhere else, you can also find MMA on the Rocks on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and, you know, any other silly podcast app you might have on your phone there. And if there's something that I'm not on, you want me to be on, you know, reach out, let me know. I'm open to suggestions. Also, you know, as always, let me know what you're thinking and drinking. I'm always looking for new and interesting things to have to drink. And, you know, I, I hope I'm able to provide some of that information for you as well. In any case, that's all I got for now. Bye-bye, everybody. 